Welcome to Music with a Mission, where our purpose is to perpetuate and promote the Christian and positive idea through the medium of music and other arts. Our guest is Dave Edwards.
It's TSA Music Radio's Music with a Mission. I'm Derek Davis. This is the day the Lord has made, and we shall rejoice and be glad in it. And this is the show the Lord has made, and we're trusting him for another blessed event. Glad, as always, to have you with us. Our guest is a professional multi-instrumentalist, singer, worship leader, and music director right here in the New York City metro area, and his name is Dave Edwards. Dave, great to have you on Music with a Mission. Honored to be here. You're a multi-instrumentalist? Yes, uh, and and I always think of um, when I was in high school and I took my SATs and realized that the scores were so low <laughs> that some somehow I, I guess um, the the abilities sort of came out through the through the instruments. How many I instruments guess. do you play? Uh, seven, if you if you split the upright bass and the electric into two instruments. Okay, which are they? Piano, bass, drums, violin, hammer dulcimer, hammer dulcimer. Yeah, this it's it's this trapezoid shaped instrument with very thin strings, harpsichord type thin strings okay, like a harpsichord. that you play with with these little sticks that you. Um, it's it's very hard to explain it actually. That looking well, at. I'm impressed. But just they, <laughs> you're explaining it. I'm just impressed. Well, my wife bought it for me uh, as a wedding as a wedding present 14 years ago. But your primary instrument but is primary instrument is piano. Okay. But I work as a bass player professionally. I kind of have an odd story. Understood. But we're going to get all into yeah. it. You played right here at Times Square Church recently, uh, accompanying the Merry Gentlemen during our Christmas extravaganza. That was a total blast. Really? Well, for a lot of reasons. One, one is I've I've heard of Times Square ever since I heard of the Cross and the Switchblade yeah. and and David Wilkerson's story. Mm-hmm. Um, that was many years ago when I first came to faith. I heard that story. So Times Square has always been in my head, ever since I've been a Christian, um, since ninety two, ninety three. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing is. Uh, Todd Williams, who used to be here on the music staff, yes. uh, who I just met probably four or five months ago, uh, invited me to be a part of it with a couple other good friends of mine who are also music directors in two Redeemer churches okay. in the New York area. Okay. Um, so that was great on a lot of levels to be part of that rhythm section. And then um, and then to play in a big band with guys like Freddie Hendricks on trumpet, and he was, he was one, of, one of the guys I went to school with, actually. Um, to be playing in a band like that and to be backed up with 150 uh, men who really want to honor the Lord with their gift mm. and be unified in their testimony of Christ in a setting like that is really, uh, um, I mean, it's it's something you don't want to miss out on. Right. It's something you don't say no on the phone to unless you have a very good reason. Sure. So sure. it was a no-brainer for me. Playing um, with exceptional musicians. At that as well. But I mean, you're an exceptional musician yourself. Um. Oh, come on. Well, you you know, I, I'm grateful for the gifts that God has given, and I don't want to be ashamed about them, and I don't want to apologize for them. But at the same time, I, it's it's like C.S. Lewis says, you know, you might as well be proud of the color of your hair. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's it, how how God has, has made us is just how God has made us. And I, I think we part of what humility is is not being ashamed of what that is, going into it in fullness and realizing that every breath and heartbeat is a gift. Wow. I mean, nice otherwise, definition. What, how could we... How could, how could we take credit for anything like that? You know. So then to be able to do that in concert with other musicians, particularly like-minded musicians who want to see the Lord glorified, musicians who know that when people walk out, um, they, they don't want to say, boy, wasn't that music awesome, and then go home and, and life is the same. Mm. I, th- I think um, when you're with that many like-minded people who are that gifted, it's, it's this formidable thing. Mm. You know. So I loved it. It was, yeah, it was, it was great. Yeah. 
but did take a look at your bio. It is very impressive. Uh, you played mm. with some well-known names, mostly in the jazz arena. Appeared on over 30 CDs, I understand, mm-hmm. yeah. with the likes of John Blake Jr., Alexis Cole, Brecker yeah. Brothers, mm-hmm. Roy Hargrove, and the list goes on. Uh, although you played and play in other genres as well, let's start from the beginning. Sure. And where it all started for you musically. Musically, it all started in my house. My father was an audiophile. So he was one of those people that had, you know, the, the pretty intense German turntable um, with with equipment that he sized himself. Is that the one that you kind of crank up on no. the side? Oh, <laughs> it's okay. post-crank. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, the post-crank era. All right. Um, but these these were uh, – he – I mean, he had a collection of oh, hundreds of, of, of albums, yeah. everything from the Carpenters to oh, yeah. um, Bucks to Huda mm-hmm. and um, Brahms Requiem and Mozart Requiem. And um, so, so there was always a lot of a lot of music playing in my house. So my father was someone who loved to tinker with electronics, and there's this company called Heathkit. Mm. So he built these uh, hi-fi components himself, like after dinner on the on the dining room table. I'm sure my mom had no problem with that, you know, soldering all over the dining room table. <laughs> but we had um, this wonderful uh, th- this house just just full of this wide variety of, of music. So you Plus, grew up, you grew up with all genres of music around you all the time. Yeah, I was just soaking it up. Okay. And then my mother gave me at five years old a stack of CDs that she or a stack of <laughs> CDs. No, these were records. Yeah, uh, a stack of records uh, that she had in her uh, I guess post grad work. Um, and I had a turntable and I would listen to some of the great works: Dvorak, New World Symphony, Oscar Peterson, Wow, uh, with Clark Terry. Nice. Um, Beethoven Symphony, you know, uh-huh. mostly classical, but they knew that when I was playing with pots and pans as a kid and played on dart dartboards as a snare drum and had a sweet spot on my floor that was the bass drum, you know, <laughs> anything I could just be rhythmic, they they said, well, maybe he should have a you know a Miles Davis record or something. Sure, you know? sure. So, they identified that immediately. Yeah. Which was your first instrument? Uh, the first instrument was piano. It was piano. Were you? Did they send you to school for that? Uh, it, no, my mom taught me a little bit. No, she's a musician too. Oh, she no was, kidding. Okay. Um, she was the second generation music minister in the Presbyterian Church. She wow. spent thirty-two years mm-hmm. as an organist and choir director. Before her, my grandmother fifty-two years as an organist in the Presbyterian Church. This is all in Lawrenceville, New Jersey. Okay, uh, mid Jersey. So there was uh, obviously a lot of music education and study. All in the house, too, and in the family. I see. So I took lessons from my grandma, took lessons from my mom. And shortly after that, you know, uh, she realized, uh, you know, that she had the wisdom to see this. And I also saw it, too, that the same person who tells you you got to clean your room is not the same person who inspires you to, to go for something musically, you know, like, at least at least with our dynamics. So yeah. she knew <laughs> right, she right. knew it was time to uh, to get a, a, a teacher. For sure. Me. So when I was uh, just about to turn seven. I started taking piano lessons. Okay. And, the, and from piano, just branched out to each other instrument, huh? Well, she started me with two. She gave me this book of, of like, instruments of the world, and I only knew a handful of them. Like, mm-hmm. I wouldn't know what a, I, I wouldn't know what um, Indian instruments were or um, a doombeck or any of these things. I knew what a piano was. I knew what a violin was. Mm-hmm. Piano and violin were the two that, that jumped out at me. Okay. So I said, Mom, I don't know what to pick. Uh, piano, violin? She goes... Good. You'll do both. So, Just like a yeah, mom, right? Right. <laughs> okay. So when I was seven, right before I turned seven, it was a half hour of piano a day, 15 uh-huh. minutes of violin. My daughter's seven now, so now I'm doing that with her. Sure. Well, um, I'm glad she had the foresight to 
get you at an early age. And to build the discipline because the way I'm built, I am not one who is self-disciplined. So having that ingrained was was really important. Now, you're a worship leader, too, huh? Yes. And a music director. Mm Mm-hmm. We're going to get into that in a minute, but do you play secular as well still? Yeah. Yeah, I definitely do. I've hmm. um, There's a part as an artist, and this has a lot to do with how people are gifted. Um, strictly musically speaking, as an artist, I, f- I feel like it's important to stay hot by doing other things. So when I come into the church, I'm, um, I'm still hot artistically. No. You know what I mean? Like I have some something... Like a fire in my belly about about the music. About the music, okay. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, I I feel I was made to have made to be comfortable with a with a foot uh, outside the church in the musical scene. Outside of the church, right? You know, I'm always and curious it, though to know how musicians of your caliber balance ministering in the church and playing in the secular world. I think it depends on because within the secular world. There's a wide variety of things that are out there. There are things that that should not be engaged, mm-hmm. you know, and there are things that's that my you point. can. That's yeah, my point. Things you can. I mean, the thing is, when when the church is operating only inside the four walls of the church, the the um, the community at large is not really impacted. So you have to. In, I believe you you really need to impact where you have influence and a voice. Mm. So um, <clears throat> my community, my my people that I um, feel most comfortable with are people I went to school with. Okay. When I first got into church, the Lord called me into the church uh, to minister. I was volunteering in 1995. I turned off almost all my relationships with most of the musicians I knew. Mm-hmm. I got a call from one of my friends who did a lot of touring, and he would said five or six years later, he says, I don't know if you realized it, but you were kind of the spiritual leader of those of us who were in the class at the time really? in the jazz school. Okay. And now he may have just represented his thoughts and his how it, how it affected him. He may I don't know how overarching that statement was. That seems like an awfully big statement to me. Well, I mean, if, even but, if it's one, it's still good. Even, right? right. Yeah. So so to all of a sudden um, be solely in the four four walls, um, I don't know how you can how you can impact people who are not who are not in hmm. in the church. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because I I know that like I I just know from from planning church services and being in many, many staff meetings over the course of 15 years. When we see people who come in and visit a church and the people that end up responding to the stuff that we're praying about and planning, it's the people who come on the arm of somebody who invited them. Hmm. And that the reason they came on the arm is because they have some relationship with them that happened probably in the workplace. Hmm. Well, my workplace is, is the, uh, the music scene. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I can't I can't say no to that. I've heard it said though, and this this may be a stretch, but I've heard yeah. it said that there may be certain spirits in the secular atmosphere. You're playing in a jazz club, you're sure. you're jamming to Night in Tunisia or something mm-hmm. like that. And yeah, is that true? First of all, would there be certain spirits in certain atmospheres that you play? That's an awesome question. Uh, I think it has more to do with the people. You know, the people that play or the people yeah. that are there. I mean, if the the people the the people who are there playing it, mostly playing, I'd mm. say. Okay. Like we played a, a jazz concert last Friday night with uh, Todd Williams, myself, John, working the pianist who was here for the concert. Yeah. For the men's choir. Yeah. And Chris Hughes, who was the drummer, also for this event. Okay. I mean, we're all worship leaders. Right. When we get together and go play in a jazz club, 
it's going to have a different we're we are we are making a different testimony you know we're not giving the gospel when we're there we are but we are doing what we're we love to do together mm-hmm. you know when we preach the gospel it's usually going to be in the context of of a friend close friend mm. um something where there's relationship or in the church setting mm-hmm. or something like that so when you're playing in a club like that, mm-hmm. ever feel like you have to be prayed up going in and prayed up coming out? Yes. I especially felt that when I was first a believer. Okay. So it's a matter but of I've, maturity, in other words. Well, meaning that as you mature, that same thing, the same intensity of preparedness goes for everything. It goes for meeting the guy who's parking your car. Right. So, I mean, it's it's your life. It's a war. That's what a worship life is to me. Mm-hmm. It's about being obedient. Okay. So if if we're not obedient in all the little things, um, the Lord will not uh, trust us in the bigger things. And someone's so, always watching, right? That's right. So the bigger things in this case would be the the jazz. Well, maybe a medium thing would be the jazz concert or mm-hmm. or something like that. The little things would be how am I treating the guy who I'm buying my gas from? Sure. You know, am I, am I, am I somehow, is, is there, is there love in my heart for that person hmm. to even portray? It's, it's one thing to, to want to bless the person, but uh, if we don't have the love for our brother, um, how can we, how can we love the Lord? You know what I mean? So it's even more important than your gift in some respects. I think, I think so. But then again, I've also seen the Lord use gifted people who are not even yielded to him just because the Lord wanted to. Well, he used a donkey to talk, so. Right, with Balaam, absolutely. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, the Lord can use anything he wants. Understood. It's, it's wanting to be um, aligned with him, which I think is, is, is really the main deal with us. So, yes, being prayed up going about our day, prayed up going in front of people and playing, yeah, um, doing what we're created to do. Um, I wish I remembered uh, the guy's name, but in the Chariots of Fire movie, the runner says, I feel God's pleasure when I run. <laughs> he's made yeah. to run, so he's doing what he's made to do. Yeah. Uh, it, it becomes more powerful. You can actually give a testimony about it when you become more knowledgeable about how you've been made in God's image. So if you know nothing and you're doing what God has gifted you to do, I, be- I believe that the Lord will use it mm-hmm. in some way. When you learn more about how you're, how you're made and how you can um, pass on, how to pa- pass on Christ okay. to others, it becomes that much more powerful because then you can replicate. Understood. Understood. So I didn't really answer the question about, do I believe about <laughs> spirits and things like that? No, but I get I mean, it. I get it. I, you know, I, I think what you're saying for the most part mm-hmm. is it does come with maturity. From what I'm getting from you is that there was a time that you were struggling with, should it be either or? Yes, it, yes I did. In fact, there was, there was a time where I felt that... Um, the music wasn't very important, so I listened to talk radio. I did, I did the gigs, but I didn't practice. I didn't listen to music hmm. for a year and a half. Um, because you weren't playing for the Lord. It, well, I think part of it was that I had made some kind of, as as we say in our circles, an idol hmm. of the music. In my case, okay, because that was the God, you know. Yeah, I mean, we have a ton of them. I was just thinking today. We we did this. Um, study last night there's a uh, theological college that has this satellite campus up in Connecticut at the yeah. church where I'm where I'm at yeah. so we were talking about um, about idols we're talking about the Pentateuch which is the first five um, books, books of, the of the Bible, Bible right yeah. um, and 
we were comparing the idols of the day, particularly the, the idol of the golden calf mm-hmm. when Moses was in Sinai. And um, while he was gone, uh, I guess they went to, was it, was it Aaron? And said, could we make, a, could we, could right. we make an idol? And yeah. so they made a, uh, the golden calf and so yeah. forth. So it hit me today as I was driving in. I'm like, well, what are, what are today's idols? I mean, and, and not, not just what are today's idols in general kind of out there, but, but in my pocket, like my iPhone. <laughs> Don't example, get me right? started. Okay. So, I mean, it's all to, all to say, um, to, bring it, to bring it back, yeah. uh, music became something that was where I put my attention mm-hmm. and uh, my efforts. Mm. And I, f- I find even with, re- with relationships and other things where you put your efforts and your attention, I find your heart follows. Mm. If your heart attention is on something that's not the Lord, that is a, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> mm-hmm. that was the case with, with music. So I had to get really set on the place of music. So you laid it down for a while. Yeah. yeah. Even though I was still playing, I was still doing gigs, but I wasn't, wasn't even listening for a while. Yeah. So. Wow. Yeah. Good stuff, Dave. Yeah. Tell you what, we're going to well, take our first break right here. When we come back, we want to dig a little deeper and find out a little bit more about the multi-instrumentalist, Dave Edwards, mm-hmm. when Music with a Mission continues. God is incredible. God is with you. God is aware of your struggle. God is ready to forgive. God is powerful. God is your friend. God is a good listener. God is for you. God is willing to God help. God is and always will God be. God is able to God protect. Is God good. is power to change. God is a provider. God is Jesus. God is here. God now. is the one who loves you. God is merciful. God is a husband to the widow. God is the one with your hands. God is there when no one else is. TSC Music Radio. Where God is. This is Carter Conlon from Times Square Church. The book of 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 8 says these words. If the trumpet give an uncertain sound, who shall prepare himself to the battle? The Lord called me almost two years ago to come on the radio to caution the city that some very difficult days are awaiting us just in the immediate future. This call to prayer is a trumpet call to begin to be prepared for the days that are just ahead of us. Preparing ourselves to battle is best understood by going into the closet of prayer, as Jesus calls it, and asking God for the strength that we're going to need to be a people who come out of these situations with victory in our hearts and in our homes. It is time to pray. To find a permitting in your area, visit nycprayer.org. That's nycprayer.org. Even if you feel defeated Even if you lose it all and don't have anything I know that I see there's someone to believe in even if you never make it even if you never see much of anything I know that I see you're someone to believe in I can see your moving 
It's DSC Music Radio's Music of the Rich, and talking with a multi-talented, very gifted and anointed Dave Edwards. He just revealed to me this is his first interview. I can't believe it. He's just uh, unnatural. Speaking of music and anointed, if you're looking for some really good anointed music, log on to tscnyc.org slash music. There are a variety, a plethora of choices for any and all musical taste when it comes to lifting up the Lord. From live corporate worship to choir music, solo artists to seasonal and instrumental music, TSC Music produces music recordings spanning a wide range of styles and genres that reflect the diversity of Times Square Church's congregation of over 100 nationalities. So if you want some good music, log on to tscnyc.org slash music. Diversity. A lot like our guest, Dave Edwards, who plays a number of instruments, genres, and styles. Great talking to you, man. Oh, I'm loving talking to you. This yeah. Is wonderful. Good stuff. Yeah. How long have you been saved? Since 90, well, I've had to learn how to tell this story. <clears throat> uh, I had a problem with drinking and, and drugs. Oh, okay. It started when I was 11 years old. Hmm. Um, I had my first six-pack when I was 11 with my older brother. Yeah. Loved it. Couldn't wait till the following weekend. Yeah. Uh, became very good at it. Never got sick. Became the person in high school who could drive and talk to the cops and get away. Oh. I mean, I, I was groomed as he, I was also in a boy choir when I was young uh, called the American Boy Choir. So it was this before or after? This is all before. Okay. This was uh, leading up to high school. Right. Well, it was kind of during in a way. Yeah. <clears throat> I had my first drink while I was in this boy choir, which was uh, nine through, gosh, up to high school. Mm. So whatever that is. Mm. And we toured a lot. I uh, got to sing at the White House with the choir. We sung at the president of Iceland's house. We made records, um, sung with orchestras. Um, it was a strict place to be. There was 50 students, and we all lived in this mansion, and it was a school with the choir, and we rehearsed three hours a day, and there was three courses that we took as kids. And mm-hmm. So I knew how to handle myself. Um, so I, I learned I learned you, how you know how to handle yourself as far as like not falling over and right. Staggering I knew I was and, taught about having poise and things like this when I was very very young. Okay, I knew how to talk to adults because I knew how to mingle with them right. since I was very young. Oh boy! So there's ways that I knew how to get out of things. There was one um, experience where uh, I I won this pia- local piano competition and got to play Rhapsody in Blue on piano with the Trenton Symphony yeah. as a high school senior, mm-hmm. and I. I, I loved, like, the Grateful Dead and other um, rock music of the day that, that my brother had turned me on to, uh, Pink Floyd and The Who, and, you know, all this classic all, stuff, right, Zeppelin right. and so forth. <clears throat> so I, but I also, I loved cars, and I had this, uh, this, this older Trans Am that had a, on the back it had an Indiana University School of Music sticker and a Grateful Dead sticker on it, and I loved going and playing with the Trenton Symphony and then playing in the Grateful Dead cover band. I just I just didn't know what I... I, I now know, and we, if we might come back to that, I now know that it has more to do with wanting to see unity. I, I now know that. Okay. That, that, was, that was the beginnings of my desire to see unity among people. Okay. But um, at the time, um, all, all to say is, is I, knew, I knew how to, uh, how to be in front of different people, so I was able to control and cover a lot of the alcohol and the addiction problems. I see. Took me all the way through college. I went to Indiana University as a classical piano major. Bottomed out in school and got kicked out because of Two the drinking. Years. Yeah, ultimately yes. Yeah. Um, and then went back uh, to New Jersey. 
Got into William Patterson College by the skin of my teeth, into their jazz program. Mm-hmm. Um, barely got in. By the grace of God. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Clearly, the Lord's will that all of this happened. Mm-hmm. What um, happened when you went in? When I was in the college scene, I was essentially living out something that I don't think I wanted to become. I did not want to be a classical pianist. I didn't want to spend the time in the rooms mm. practicing six hours a day. I, at the time, I was looking forward to the cigarette breaks and meeting the other musicians um, and connecting with them, right. not realizing what was really behind all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then eventually uh, got kicked out of school, got a job on a cruise line, continued to use. It was my first uh, first professional job as a bass player. Went back to school, started my... Well, I went to school for the, for the first semester at William Patterson, continued to use. It was starting to get a lot worse, the drinking and the drugs. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly drinking in my case. Mm-hmm. Went back to the cruise line and my boss had become, had, had gotten sober in AA. And this is in 1992. And I really looked up to him. He, had, he was a, a, an LA arranger. He had written arrangements and played with Tower of Power. He's from New Orleans. He was, oh. he, I mean, he was a very yeah. well-rounded musician who I really looked up to. Mm-hmm. And he took me to my first AA meeting. And... <clears throat> He said, hey, Dave, why don't you come and talk to us on the, you know, tomorrow morning. We'll, we'll, we'll chat. So I met him and this other, um, this other musician who was uh, on, on the ship and in the band, and we talked and told stories. And I felt for the first time the, uh, the freedom to be real with other, with other guys hmm. about what was really happening in my life. Um, and it felt like an oasis. It was freedom to actually share the reality and to not have to live undercover anymore mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. to be able to control um, control everything. So I said, uh, do you think I'm an alcoholic? And he says, I can't tell you if you're an alcoholic, Dave, but I have seen you drink and I will tell you um, one of three things will happen to you if you continue this way. He says, you'll either end up dead in jail or in, an, in a mental institution. And mental institutions scared the life out of me. More than being dead? It, it did. Yeah? It did. Okay. At the time, that was the one. Yeah. And well, whatever it takes. clearly that the Lord was speaking, without a doubt, that um, it was a very fatherly, loving um, word from the Lord. And it was before I was, I had gotten on my knees and received Christ. Mm-hmm. But the Lord is always wooing us until we get to that point where we receive. He is, the, he is the giver of the faith, and we are the receivers who act on. And he was definitely speaking to me at that time. And so this is not what I have for you in terms of the, the, the drinking and the going in that direction and, mm-hmm. and, being, and escaping and, and um, trying to look a certain way and control and all those things. Mm. So I said, um, I would love to go to, to this meeting. So I come back from this meeting in 1992 on June 23rd. <clears throat> I was 22 years old. I get in my cabin, I get on my knees, and I say, God, please take over come into my life I've I've messed it up and I, I need you to I need to I need a I need a new start and I need you to take over mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that was that was it that was the day that I asked God into my into my situation at the time mm-hmm. uh, I went to meetings every single day for a year and a half I was getting coffee in a meeting and this guy says yeah you know these steps they come from biblical principles yeah, and I was so going to ask you about the AA thing. Coffee. Okay, go ahead. I was filling up my coffee, and yeah. I, I, you know, I look over, and I'm like, hmm, that's very interesting. Yeah, yeah. So I start getting very curious about this. Mm-hmm. So I start praying, well, and then I, I, a friend of mine really challenged me about 
about my be- beliefs on, on God, my experience with God, and so forth. And she sent me tapes from this church um, in Hawaii. And I had heard about, um, about Paul's missionary journeys in the New Testament and the teaching on, on the letters. And that was, that was kind of how I entered into, into church. Even though I grew up in church, I never heard the gospel. Mm-hmm. So um, I end up um, praying in my car, going to school at William Patterson with the bass in my car in my van, saying, Lord, I would love to go to a church like this. Mm-hmm. I could hear through the lavalier mic. Mm-hmm. The electricity in the room when when a body of of, of Christians come together, yeah, when they're on one accord, sure, yeah, when sure. there's when there's unity and mm-hmm. people are are seeking Jesus and and there's a real live faith in the place, mm-hmm. it's electric and you can even tell through the mic, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I, that that struck me, and I and I said, Lord, please, would you would you give me a ch- an opportunity to find a church like that somewhere? Mm-hmm. Within two weeks, I ended up without going into all the story to cut to the chase. I ended up finding a church. Within a couple of weeks, the church where I met my wife, the church where I, re- wow. I, I received um, the Lord at, at an altar call the first day I walked in. Uh-huh. And I don't remember that day. And I remember not being able to put my finger on that day that I received Jesus that day in the church. And it was very clear t- to me um, that the Lord met me on June 23rd on the cruise ship before I knew who he was. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Let me ask you this, though. For the benefit of our listeners who do mm-hmm. deal with substance abuse or have dealt with substance sure. abuse, ever get tempted in that area today? I find that the temptations uh, show up. And, I mean, the, the, the evil one is a real enemy of our souls. Mm-hmm. Once division, once, once, uh, wants us to be destroyed. I, f- I firmly believe that through my experience, my 41 years. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, just been, that's just been how... Because I've heard I've it said it. that, you know, at some point, temptation shouldn't come to you if you've dealt with substance abuse or if you've been in that area and you should conquer the temptation. I, yeah, I think every every story is different. Okay. I mean, the fact is that the Lord uh, provides every temptation, uh, the Bible says, that's given to us is common uh, to man and he will provide a way out. Yes. Provides um, a way of escape. Sure. Yes. Um, we, I think if, if, if anybody were hard pressed between that person and the Lord... And the Lord said, did I not provide you an escape? Mm-hmm. I think a person would be hard-pressed to say, well, I'm sorry, you didn't. You didn't, Lord. You didn't provide an escape for me. That, I think the truth is, yes, there is, a, there is an if escape. If you look hard enough, yeah. there was, there was mean, one there all the time. There's an intimate relationship with the Lord and his people, mm-hmm. one, one-to-one. And we only see as, as much of that as we're willing to be vulnerable with each other. Sure. In, in my case with, with drinking, I have not had the temptation to pick up a drink in, in 20 years. Oh, praise the Lord. It, it's a what, gift. Okay, okay. I was so, going to say, what do you attribute that to? And you just said it's a gift. Well, what they say in in the meetings is, uh, first time is a gift, mm-hmm. and I, I believe it, and I don't want to test it. <laughs> okay. However, the um, the the addictive um, head is something that needs to be managed, and you need to be talking with people who know who can call you on your stuff. Understood. Um, because the addictive personality will come up in different ways. Right. Right. That's a great testimony. Wow. Great testimony, man. It's uh, I've been I've been saved from real real death, yeah, into real life. Oof, oof. Praise it's, the Lord. It's, uh, yeah, it's no fooling. What being reborn is a real thing. Mm-hmm. Is absolutely real. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we're being redeemed, it's not just spirit and soul. It's physical. It's everything. Mental, it's, emotional. Yeah, everything is new. 
the Lord, the Lord will redeem, I, I believe, all of creation as well. I mean, everything that he has made mm-hmm. was for a, a purpose to glorify him. Um, so, and we're part of that, you know. Now, you are worship leader and music director over at Trinity Church in Greenwich, Connecticut. Mm-hmm. As a music director, what's your philosophy when it comes to praise and worship? Basically, I want, I want the team to serve the congregation, that the congregation and the team and everybody in the room um, can be one worshiping voice to the Lord. Okay. I mean, in a nutshell. Okay. The, 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 and there's a, there's a lot of mechanics to that, and there's certain strategies for that. I mean, like? Th- like, depending on what culture you're in, it's going to decide what kind of music it is, hmm. uh, what kind of musicians you'll have, and so forth. Um, but, the, but the bottom line is that when people walk out the door, are people going to be remembering Jesus or how great the team was? Mm-hmm. And now, how, how do you distinguish the two? Well, you can't. You don't have control over much. Mm-hmm. All you have control over is your own heart. Mm-hmm. So, if if that's your if that's your business, and you want to really honor the Lord with, with a humble heart, and not apologize for your gifts, not downplay them, and have any kind of reverse humility or anything like that, where yeah. you're saying, "Oh, I'm nothing," yeah, any of that stuff. But be real who who you are, yeah. and that you're loving the people you're with, and there's unity on the team in Christ. That will infect a congregation, mm. I believe. Any core that is committed to unity in the name of Jesus Christ is a force for unity, and it will it will grow. Um, and and I I believe that's at the core of the philosophy of of what a worship leader and a music director needs to to be perpetrating needs to be about. He needs to create that kind of environment. Yeah. For people yeah. to, to do that, you know. And we were talking about young, aspiring musicians and what you would say to them yeah. if they had a conflict with, I don't know, wanting to be the secular guy and wanting to be the praise guy. And we talked a little bit about that. Uh, yeah. What do you say to them? Well, um, I think a lot of this has to do with um, becoming sensitive to the Lord. Um, and also, a lot of it has to do with ego, because ego is big. Uh, in, in you mean easing of, God out? Yeah, right. Yeah, okay. Exactly. Mm-hmm. When, when you, uh, particularly when, um, when we're trying to make a place for ourselves, we're trying to, we're trying to carve out a spot for ourselves in the musical landscape. We're also trying to carve out a spot when we're teenagers. We're trying to figure out who we are, mm-hmm. um, where we fit in, um, what our value is, and a lot of time we attach the value to the gift. And this often happens with very gifted uh, teenage musicians that the identity is placed in the gifting and not in who they are. So um, I would definitely say to, to a young musician that the, uh, the musical gift has its place to operate from a person who knows who they are in Christ. And this, it's, it's one thing to say that, to know who you are in Christ. Well, what does that mean? Um, and that takes, it takes a long, a long time but, mm-hmm. um, to, to discover. I mean, we walk out our salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works and wills to, to uh, work in us. To will um, and to do. To will and to do, mm-hmm. according to his good purpose. Mm-hmm. Right? Now, this takes time. We're being saved daily from things, right? So, so um, what does that mean the day-to-day? That means to take a, a really hard look at what, it, what would life look like if you got your biggest dream. Hmm. So if you're a kid and you're going, well, my dream is to be, well, mine, when I was 12, was to be the best bass player in the world. That's what I wanted to be. Right. 
And I believe God spoke to me in that. And I got a picture, what I believe to be a prophetic picture from the Lord, of a um, of one of those cathedral-like beach houses. Uh, with When I don't mean cathedral-like, I mean with cathedral ceilings and big windows oh, right yeah. on the water. Yeah, the big high 12-foot right. ceilings, yeah. Yeah, with all mm-hmm. the, the high-hat lighting and all sure, that stuff. Sure, sure. And I got that picture, um, I believe, from the Lord at 12 years old. And what I I saw myself as alone in that house. Hmm. And the message I got from the Lord was, if you're if you're concerned about becoming the the best bass player, this is what it'll be. You'll be alone. Um, and I resolved at that point that other musicians would always be encouraged hmm. by what I did. Understood. That would change. That would change your motivation. Mm-hmm. So this speaks to motivation. What do you really want? And I think if you're if you're a teenager and you've got a a, a gift like that, especially a public gift, mm-hmm. um, a lot of times where you're rewarded in in various ways, either by attention or things like that, you need to look at why you do what you do mm-hmm. as a teenager. What motivates you to pick up your guitar and play it? Mm-hmm. And then. Um, I would get into the Psalms and learn something of the heart of the Psalm writers. Uh, many of those Psalms are written by David, um, who was a musician and a king and a warrior and had a heart after God. Um, and somehow try to look at the motivations that we can get that would be selfish to put ourselves on a, on a platform and to be the best at this or whatever against um, uh, wanting to please the Lord with everything you you have, uh, gift-wise. Um, so... So I, I feel like that's a, an important thing to look at as a as a teenager. But practically and from a theoretical point of view, I mean, there are a lot of church musicians out there who just, you know, are not trained theoretically. I yeah. mean, what do you tell them? There was there was two main skill environments um, for for me that, that built a lot of it. Um, one of them was choral singing. Oh, um, particularly if you have if you're in a, a classical setting where you can read the notes. And you can see how your part fits in with the other singers and the other parts in the choir. That would be one. I mean, any opportunity to be in a choral setting like that would be would be awesome. Um, another one, Dizzy Gillespie was big on this. Uh, from so I so I hear. Um, I think he said something like, "Anybody who plays the piano, plays the drums, and sings understands most of the nuts and bolts of what makes music work." You've got the rhythm piece. You've got phrasing through singing. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got the the chord and harmonic knowledge through piano. Okay. Um, playing around with all those would be great. Um, gosh, I could go so far on so many different directions. One one thing that separates super talented people who are not on a professional level from even sometimes less talented people who yeah. are on a professional level. Yeah. One of the biggest uh, determiners of being a professional is rock solid time. Mm. And tempo, playing with the metronome um, and being able to do what you do um, and make it fit. Um, because the time marches on at a, at, a, at a steady pace, and when musicians pick a tempo, in order for you to fit, you know, we've got to be able to function that way. Yeah, um, yeah. That, that's a big one. Another one is intervals, learning how to sing a major second, a major third, mm. a major seventh, being able to hear them. Like I, I remember when I was a kid, there was um, a, a bunch of jingles that I would start to analyze in my head. When I was in this boy choir, we had a a, a class where we would be drilled on intervals. Mm-hmm. So we'd see on the blackboards, it would say big M3, major third. So we'd go, oh yeah, bum, bum, yeah, major third, great. All right, uh, fourth down, 
Bum, bum. Oh, great. Right. So then when I hear the by Menon as a, a, right. in the 70s, right, right. Uh, I would go, oh, yeah, yeah, 581. Okay. And I start to okay. analyze all these melodies by number. Uh-huh. Um, I have a few theory students. One's a worship leader, very talented worship leader. He's got a beautiful record out. Um, and uh, and she's just learning some of this theoretical stuff. And mm-hmm. I'm trying to um, have her analyze all these well-known songs that we sing mm-hmm. and get them uh, be able to analyze them by number, analyze the melodies and things like that. Um, so, so these are essentials is what you're saying. I think they are to mm-hmm. function, at least for me. Uh, people ask me if I have perfect pitch, and I say no. And I'm glad I don't, actually, because I never would have had to learn what's called good relative, which means if somebody plays a note on the piano, I can go, well, I don't know what that is, but if you tell me that's a, uh, a, a, uh, an E, that's fine. If, then I can tell any note from that. Okay. Oh, right. Da, 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 it's a third away. Mm-hmm. So sitting down at a piano and, and learning... Um, one, two, three, four, two, three, one, mm-hmm. two, seven, one. Things the like basics, that. The basics. Very, very helpful mm-hmm. um, for you to get a handle on what you're hearing. That way, when you start to hear stuff, you can analyze it without even having to write it down. You can practice in your car. And then, when you attach that to your instrument and learn those numbers, and one, two, three, four, two, three, one, five, one. Starts to become like second that, nature. It does. And the instrument becomes an extension of you, just like your voice does. And it, it gives you a lot of power to be able to understand what you're hearing. Understood. Um, so, good advice. There's a lot of other practical stuff, but those are so biggies for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I hope you, young aspiring artists, were listening. You're hearing it from a guy who's been around. He knows what he's talking about. Tell you what, we're going to have more with Dave Edwards. More good conversation. More good advice when music with a mission continues. Join the Seniors Ministry in Prayer with Pastor Ben Crandall leading the charge. The Seniors Prayer Meetings are Wednesdays from noon to 1 in room 203. All ages are welcome. The Seniors Lunch and Fellowship is from 1 to 3 p.m. in room 201 and is open to everyone 65 and over. For details and updates, check our website, tscnyc.org. TSC, Music Radio, where God is. It's MWM, Music with a Mission, back with Dave Edwards. Great conversation with Dave Edwards, too. Yeah, you're married, too, huh, Dave? Yeah, married 14 years. 14 years. Yeah, Congratulations. Praise the Lord. Any kids? We have one, one daughter who's seven. Her name is Zoe. Oh, Zoe another Joy. Zoe in the house. Then. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. She's full of life, that's for sure. Nice, yeah. nice. Mm-hmm. Now, what would you say, though, to uh, aspiring musicians, young musicians coming up. We were talking about equipping and empowering, and yeah. we were talking about the restaurant that you played in, Coquitos. Coquitos, what, is Coquitos. what, a, what Coquitos. a great spot this is. Is it? And, oh, I love it, absolutely. Yeah, it's in my hometown, which is a lot of fun. It's a, I, I'm sure they have a website, but if you put in Coquito um, in Warwick, you, you'll get it. Right. It is a restaurant, but it has a, 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 a club feel in that it's a listening kind of environment understood Not, okay yeah okay. so um it's it's the kind of place when you want to where you want to hear music right and have a meal well dave uh, you promised that you were going to give us a live rendition of sorts uh anything you have in mind i see you brought your guitar case but you're sitting over at the piano so yeah one one is a, a cover that'll do on guitar uh and this one is um this is one on on, on piano that i wrote Taking uh, just a just a night away, just to be with the Lord, just to go on a personal retreat. Oh, nice! So this is yeah. original. This is uh, original, yeah. And it's only I'm, I don't 
I'm not known for writing, but there have been a few that have written. This is one of them. Great. Let's hear it. What's the name of it? It's called It's You. Dave Edwards on Music with a Mission. Come inside the door. Please sit down. Pardon me if I appear uncomfortable right now. I have heard of you, the one who knocks, and the one who's patient and loving and you have some place to be it's a big world with many who already love you Jesus why did you come to me don't you know where I've been
Simply beautiful. Um, God did something very real. That's obvious. Dave Edwards. You have a website too, Dave, don't mm-hmm. you? What's the website? Yeah, it's DaveEdwardsMusic.com. Do you have a CD coming out soon? I, I don't. If if there was a producer out there in the world who might be able to somehow put something together <laughs> and say... <laughs> that yeah. might be cool. Yeah, I, I, but, I think... I think uh, you know, I don't know what the Lord is telling you, but obviously he's given you good songs. I mean, it's got to be a blessed CD. Oh. I pray that he just pushes you in that direction. Oh. Yeah, I, th- I think I'm getting nudged. Yeah. I just, <laughs> I love to play with other musicians and back up other singers. It's just a joy for me. And, and to, the idea of writing is just such torture. So, uh, are you, you know, kidding me? Those, yeah, those lyrics well, were beautiful. That came, that, that particular one was kind of one that was caught, mm-hmm. you know, some... Sometimes you get a gift and you catch it and you write it down. And people who are who are writers, in my estimation, people who do it um, all the time, are people who will write whether it comes to them or not. You know, they're they're mining for diamonds and mm. they're they're getting coal, but they're they keep swinging. Okay. You know. Okay. Um, for me, my, my expression of that is just being in ministry in the church setting and building teams and stuff like that. And that's Understood. that's my swing in the axe. Yeah. Well, he may have you know. another weapon for you there because oh. that was beautiful. Oh, thank you. Beautiful. You got the guitar case over here too, Dave. Yeah, um, I'd love to share one. Um, it's a, a Hill Songs uh, song uh, that I'd love to share. Dave, it was great talking to you. Thank oh. you for being on Music with a Mission. My my honor. sinner's cross and your life rescued mine in this redemption Love and mercy display You lifted my eyes to see That your truth never fails Lord of the heavens King of all days Without you my world slips away Redeemed by your mercy Consumed by your grace Now I live for you 
And remember, if ever we put the messenger before the message, we have failed to present an unblemished gospel. I'm Derek Davis. Join us next time on Music with a Mission.